Hey, good morning, church. How are we doing? Yeah, we good, man. It was a good weekend. Who had a great weekend this past weekend? Man, the Lord's work was done on the sports field. Can I just start by saying, you know, any Springbok fans in the house? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 52 points. Come on, somebody. It's miraculous. My Liverpool fans, where you guys at? Yeah. His love endures forever. And then the red devil was slain in the name of Jesus. 2-0. Tottenham Hotspur did the business on Man United. Come on, somebody. I just feel anointed now. That the, the right stuff happened. Derek sitting in the front row. You know what, Derek? I respect you because you put your son in a Manchester United shirt today. And that just shows, you know, you're a, you're a follower. You're not just a fan. You're here for the long haul. Your team's terrible. But hey, the shirt's on. Shirt's on. We're supporting. Come on. No, I respect it, man. I respect it. I, mean, I wouldn't, personally, but I respect it. Man, so good. And started something now. So good to be in church today. If I've yet to have the pleasure of meeting you, my name is Phil, um, pastor at Revive Church, and just a great honor and privilege to be in God's house today and to be able to share. It's been an excellent time to be a part of Revive Church um, over the last few weeks, but really, I've been here for a while, and I've loved every second of it, and these past few weeks have been incredible. Any ladies that were at our ladies' conference, um, that was amazing, and Jackie brought an excellent message. That was a weird woo. I, I don't know where that came from, but I... I like the enthusiasm, and Graham brought an excellent message speaking about heaven last week, which is incredibly impactful as well. Um, and today, I'm, I'm kind of wanting to uh, move with that message, but if you didn't see it, that's okay. Um, it's not a part two. But Graham really spoke about heaven and, and the importance uh, of living for heaven today. And I thought that was a great topic and something important to speak about and to think about. And today, I really want to speak on the topic of evangelism, really speak about the topic of sharing the good news of Christ with other people. But I'm going to be maybe a bit more real and authentic this morning, especially just to start the message, because personally, and maybe there's some other people that have felt the same way, but personally, I haven't been feeling uh, fantastic over the last, you know, let's say month. Um, my thought life has been kind of all over the place. I've been thinking things that I don't usually think feeling things I don't usually feel, just lacking confidence in who I am and who God's called me to be. It feels like my sinfulness and my inadequacies and the things that make me so unworthy to be a minister, it feels like the things, those are the things that I'm thinking about. Those are the things that are really right in front of my mind. And that's so unusual for me. I'm usually quite confident <laughs> in myself and what I feel God's called me to, but that really hasn't been the case. So to be open and honest with you, church, I was actually quite dreading the idea of preaching today. And I'm just going to be real and honest, but it's, I've been on a journey. I'm okay now, even though it sounds like I'm about to lose my puppy. I've been on a complete journey. I don't know if there's anybody else here today that's been feeling a bit out of color. Man, I think it's so normal. And I think the way the world is now and the way Life is going down for so many people. It just feels so unnatural. So I thought on Tuesday, I was chatting to my wife and I was like, Jesus, I feel, I feel terrible. Shocking way to start a sermon. This is not how 
you start messages. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> encourage me. She reminded me, she reminded me of who I was and what life's about and there's ups and downs. So on Tuesday night, I started thinking about my message. I took out my iPad, I started journaling. I'm a journaler now, so have that creative. And I just started writing down my thoughts and my feelings. It sounds pretty lame, but I was doing it. And I felt God speak to me quite clearly through scripture, which is amazing. I've yet to hear the audible voice of God, but he shared a scripture with me and Jesus, it kind of found me right where I was. John 16 verse 33. Put yourself together. Okay. Verse 33 says this, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Jeez. I love this passage because it's not, it's not asking me to be better. It's not asking me to have my stuff together, Phil, you're normally, you're normally good. You're, you're, the, you're the jokey guy, the laughy guy. You know, you're normally fine. Just get back there. The scripture was an invitation not to find peace in myself, but to find peace in Jesus. Man, I was encouraged. You will have trouble in this life. I think if a, if a preacher was to get up on a stage and tell you that being a Christian is the ticket to easy streets, I fear that's not the gospel. It's not true. Life is difficult. There is, there is challenge. There is trouble. There is trial. And you might be sitting here right now and just the story that Dumi shared and that young girl, I mean, that is trouble. But the scripture is so clear. It says, in me, you can have peace and take heart. I have overcome the world. In an instant, it felt like, not that my sinfulness or that my inadequacies had, had gone away, it just felt like my focus began to shift. Off of myself and onto my God, onto Jesus who has conquered and overcome this life. The truth is there, you will have trouble, Phil. There will be days where you feel unworthy to be a minister. Man, Sundays, you pray for swear and pray, pray for ministers. Sunday's always coming, but your emotions aren't always in check. <laughs> your feelings aren't always in check, but you've got to come and you've got to bring hope. But the great thing is, is that we don't find hope in our ability to be good or to feel good. We find hope in Jesus. I want to share about evangelism today, not because I'm a perfect person or that I've got everything in order this week. I want to share about evangelism because Jesus is the hope of the world. <laughs> He is the cure to every disease. He is the peace in every uncomfortable situation. He is everything the world needs to turn away, not because He makes everything perfect, but because He makes everything as it should be. We don't live for this life. We aren't waiting for this life to become perfect. We live for eternity and we live for heaven. Jesus is the cure to this life. Today I want to share about evangelism because we don't just hold the good news of Jesus to be in these four walls. People are not a project. People are a prized possession, sons and daughters of the Most High God. As believers, we sit on the most important information that this world has to offer. I heard a quote that stuck with me. Will the Word of God die with you or will it spread through you? 
today I want to share on evangelism, not because I think all of us are going to stand on a soapbox and preach at our co-workers and our friends and our workplaces, but I do think that through you, through the gifting, the unique ability that God has given you, you can reach the people in your life, the people around you with the good news of Jesus, not because it's a good thing to do, but because they are desperate for hope. If you turn on the news, if you turn on your social media, the world is incredibly lost. The world is incredibly confused. It's Jesus who gives identity. It's Jesus who gives direction. We cannot be angry at the world for making poor decisions. They do not have the decision maker, the guide, and the counselor leading and guiding their life. Sometimes as Christians, we get so mad at people doing stupid things and saying stupid things and committing horrible things, but they live in darkness. Jesus is the light. Until someone is guided and led by the light, they will lead and do their life in the dark. Jesus, in his final words, really, these are the last few verses in the book of Matthew, he says this to his disciples and so to us in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and I surely am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus took his final words to instruct and to commission the followers of God. He says, with everything you've seen, every miracle, every healing, every teaching, the most important thing you can do with this information is to tell somebody about it. The world is broken, the world is sick, and the world is void of hope. But Jesus is the hope of the world. Isn't it true that we will look to fill the space in our hearts with anything and everything until we find fulfillment? But the truth is, until Jesus fills that space, you will fill your life with mistakes and regrets. You will make enemies along the way. Jesus is the only one who fills that space in your heart. I love Psalm 23. I love Psalm 23. It's he who leads me beside quiet waters. It's he who lays me down in green pastures. It's he who refreshes my soul. It's he who guides and leads me through the darkest valley because his staff and his rod protect me. The world is void of hope because the world is void of Jesus. And one of my favorite scriptures because I see myself in the scripture, is the lady at the well. Jesus meets this lady at the well, the Samaritan woman. And I'll, I'll read a few of the scriptures, but if you don't know the story and the political context to this, it's quite important. It's in John chapter four, and Jesus was traveling with his disciples, and they were traveling. Originally, they were going to be traveling around Samaria because Jewish people and the Samaritans politically had no contact with one another. Jesus decided, instead of going around Samaria, we're going to go straight through Samaria today. Peter and John and Andrew said, Jesus, you're crazy. You're a wild man. We don't go through Samaria. We go around Samaria. That's normal and that's acceptable. Jesus says, I'm here to seek and save the lost. I have no concern for normal and acceptable. Jesus traveled straight through Samaria and he meets a woman at the well. Again, this is problematic politically. Jewish people, Samaritans did not speak to one another. In those times, a Jewish man and a Samaritan woman definitely did not speak to one another. Jesus meets her and he starts speaking to her, which already would have taken her by surprise and, and shock. 
the craziest thing is Jesus starts to list things about her that no one else would have known. He starts telling her and listing the things that's happening in her life that she had been married many times and the person that she was living with right now wasn't even her husband. She was caught in sin, which probably would have been embarrassing for her to hear, tough for her to hear, and even confused as to how Jesus knew this. And in reading the scripture, it brings to mind two things. This lady's got two problems. One, she's got a fundamental problem, and that fundamental problem is sin. She lives in sin. I also have the same fundamental problem, and maybe some of you have the same problem as well. Then she's got a second problem, and I would consider this problem far more severe, is that she didn't recognize who she was speaking to in that moment. Because in just a few verses' time, Jesus would carry his cross, he would die on that cross, so that women like that lady at the well could receive eternal life if they were to believe and accept the good news about Jesus Christ. She's got a fundamental problem, that's sin. But sometimes we spend so much time trying to solve the fundamental problem, we give no attention to the severe problem, and that's ignorance. Ignorance of who Jesus is, because if you can just acknowledge Jesus, He takes care of the fundamental problem. Sin is not something you will cure or handle in your life. It'll be a constant tension and challenge till the day you die. You don't receive perfection as a believer. We grow and we, and we, and we aim to become more like Jesus throughout our lifetime. You're never gonna solve the fundamental problem. You go for the severe problem and the severe problem is not knowing Jesus. He introduces himself to her and in a moment, she begins to realize who she's speaking to and her reaction is to go and tell everybody in Samaria about who she spoke to and that whole place come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Why? Because the severe problem is not knowing who he is. The scripture in John 4 verse 13 to 14 summarizes it so well. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water, referring to the well they were standing at, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give them will never be thirsty again. The water that I give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The scripture's making reference to the water in the well, but I believe it's also making reference to a very real problem today is that we will look for something to quench a thirst that only Jesus can quench. It's so difficult for me, and I think for a lot of people in this church, we come and we really believe and we trust God that in our church services, something's gonna happen people will be introduced to Jesus and lives will change. And that does happen every single Sunday. But Jesus understood he was never gonna meet this woman in a Jewish synagogue. He knew he would meet her outside Samaria at a well. Sometimes we limit what we can do in our evangelism to our church service, but Jesus understood he is here to seek and save the lost. She was looking for something else. And sometimes we'll categorize sin and we'll say that her sin is worse than mine and that sin is worse than that. The truth is, whatever we try to quench the thirst that only Jesus can quench, it's a problem. It's never going to work out. Jesus knew he would not find this woman in a synagogue or in a church. Can I tell you something? There are some people right now that are so ready and so receptive to hear the good news about Jesus, but they're never going to come to our church. They're never going to come to another church. And that could be because of anything, past experiences, history, family issues. But if somebody would just go and lead and take the example of Jesus and say, you know what? I wanna invite you in. I wanna tell you about something. I wanna share something that is so important, so much more important than the fear of maybe being rejected in this moment. 
I want to tell you something that is the cure to every issue and every problem and every pain in your life. We don't evangelize because it's part of the good things that Christians do. We evangelize because it's a matter of life and death. Sometimes I think our evangelism gets limited because we think less of heaven and hell. But if you have an adequate view of what heaven and hell is and what it's going to be for people who don't know Jesus, I believe our evangelism will be positively impacted by that because for me personally, I've met some hectic people in my life. I've been a hectic person in my life. When I was in grade four, somebody in grade six said I looked like a caramello bear. That is a hectic person. It's taken me time to pray for him. Thank you. There is not one person on planet earth that isn't deserving of at least the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. In fact, Scripture says the heart of God is that all would come to repentance. Hell was not created for any person. Hell was created for the enemy, for Satan and for the demons. No, no, no person should be going to hell. And God has given us a great opportunity. Sometimes I ask the question, God, could you not have just done it and sorted it all out? But God has invited us to be co-laborers in His work here on earth to say, you know what, be my hands and feet and let's extend, let's share the good news to the ends of the earth about who Jesus is so that people can have life. Sometimes we just want the world to get better and be better and people to make better decisions and less wars and less corruption and less pain and less hurt. No, it's more Jesus. It's just more Jesus. If it's more Jesus, then there's less of those things. If it's more Jesus and there's less pain, there's less hurt, there needs to be more Jesus. Jesus is the solution. For you first and then for the people in your life. This is not a behavior modification church. We're not wanting you to get to a certain level of Christian and good deed, and then you can do the DNA course, and then you can go on grow. Jesus changes your life. My revelation on Tuesday night, sitting there feeling like, why am I, why am I trying to be a pastor? I feel like a fraud because I'm not perfect. I get it wrong so often. Why am I trying to do this? And I said to myself, you know what? I'm just trying to honor God. I feel like God has asked me to do something that in moments is incredibly difficult. It would be far easier for me to sit in a chair, watch somebody else speak and share, because you know what, this is difficult, especially when you don't feel it. But there's a conviction in my heart that goes far beyond an emotion and a feeling. I know Jesus is real. I know heaven and hell is real. So I can stand and pretend. But I would feel like I'd be disobeying God by not going through the pain and the struggle of feeling less than, of feeling like a fraud. But my Savior is not a fraud. My Savior is so real. He's as clear as anything I've ever experienced in my life. Yes, there is nothing about Phil that qualifies me, that makes me worthy. But my wife said, you know what? That's probably a healthier place to be in than someone who thinks they deserve to be on a stage and sharing the gospel. I said, amen. Amen. <laughs> she gets more claps than I do. Hey, the heart of God towards evangelism and the lost, again, demonstrated in Luke 15, verse 1 to 7. I love the scripture. It says, now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered under their breath, 
this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Amen. Verse three, then Jesus said this to the, Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Let this be a clear picture of God's heart towards the lost. Now this isn't placing less value on saved people. Jesus loves all his sheep. But the 99 in the sheepfold are in a much safer place than the one who is wandering and is vulnerable and is lost and is in danger. Jesus as the good shepherd says, 99, you're good. You're in the fence. You've got accountability. You've got a crowd. You've got people that are looking after you. But there's one out there who is lost and in danger and in trouble. I'm going to go after that one sheep and I'm going to bring him back. And when I bring him back, there's going to be a great rejoicing in heaven because heaven erupts when a lost person is found. What makes this scripture real for me is realizing that at one point, I was the one. And there was 99 somewhere, my church family, who I connected with, and they were good. They were worshiping, but there was a stage where I was the one. And the good shepherd went out, and he used somebody who was a rugby coach, who just loved me and cared about me and said nice things about me, and I saw a demonstration of Jesus before I came to a church and I thought, you know what, maybe I can give this a try and I came to a service and I was overwhelmed by the love of God. The 99 came after me. He came and found me where I was and he will use people that are obedient to the call to do that. The prayer on my heart is not to be a pastor of a massive church but to be obedient to the call of God to say, you know what, shepherd, I'm gonna send you out to find a sheep. Will you be obedient and available to do that? I think the greatest stereotype I'd love to kind of kill right now is that when we hear the word evangelist, we think of people like Billy Graham or we think of Angus Buchan and we think of these guys who run great crusades and see thousands of people saved. And it's an incredible ministry and they're anointed to do it and it's fantastic and we cheer them on. But the call to make disciples in Matthew 28 is not for the one who stands or just for the one who stands with the microphone and reaches thousands of people It's for anybody who's available to understand that people need the news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in the way that I have been equipped, maybe it's for your family. Maybe there's an uncle or a cousin or an auntie who know you, who love you, who respect you. So if it comes from you, it's got weight. Sometimes you bring them to a church, they don't know who I am, they don't know who Swen is, they don't know any minister. But if it comes from you who's loved them and and built relationship and have done journeys and life with them, if it comes from you, maybe there's a bit of weight. Maybe that's how God wants to use you. Maybe it's in your workplace. Maybe it's in your school. There's some school teachers in the building today. You have got an outstanding platform to build relationship with young people, to build that, to build that place of influence where if you were to share something that could change their life, they might just see it that way and accept Lord Jesus as their savior. We pray for our school teachers doesn't have to look any certain specific way. It's to understand the heart of God is to seek and save the lost. I love our church. 
I love what we do on a Sunday, and this is so important in the mission of God, to gather and to be equipped and to be strengthened, but it is not the only part of the mission of being a believer. I would go as far to say that as a believer, you are not living completely in the will of God if the message of Jesus stays with you. It can look any different way, but there are people in your life that are relying on you to be obedient. Somebody else's destiny hangs in your obedience today. Can we feel the weight of that today? Somebody else is just waiting for you to tell them about Jesus, waiting for you to invite them to your church. You don't have to have the words. Maybe it's just, hey, would you, would you come and see? Would you come and see what God could do in your life? how he can change things, how you don't have to have it all together. I know you feel, man, I felt like a mess on Tuesday and I felt God speak to me so clearly. It's often for me in the moments where I feel shocking, where I hear the voice of God. Maybe some people are really struggling in your life right now. You're thinking about them. They're on your brain. Things aren't going well for them. Right now might be the moment where they're the most receptive to handing over control to someone who was always meant to be the captain of their ship. I'm excited to share as a church that we are, and we are burdened for lost people. We are wanting to do more. We are burdened for Cape Town. We're burdened for South Africa. The vision of this church is to help people find life and purpose in Jesus, revival in our city. We are burdened for lost people. So as a church, we're gonna do something. We're gonna partner with an organization called Alpha. And at the beginning of 2024, we are going to launch and run alpha groups with the sole purpose to help lost people find Jesus. And as great, as great as we think we are as a staff team, the true significance is going to lie in people like you partnering with us and saying, hey, I know two people that could really benefit from hearing about Jesus. What Alpha is, it's a, it's a 10-week course. It's not for Christians. It's not for believers. If you have questions about God, but you, but you know Him personally, you're in a relationship with Him, there's other courses for you. This course is not for you. This course is for seekers. This course is for people who have questions, who have doubts, and who aren't in relationship with Jesus. And what we wanna do is we wanna gather some people who can facilitate as hosts, facilitate as helpers, that can pray for the ministry. We wanna set up some groups that'll run over a 10-week period and we wanna help answer some of the questions. Alpha is not the goal, Jesus is the goal, but Alpha is a proven vehicle over decades to help people know and find Jesus in a personal, personal way. So we're gonna have some time after the service and we're gonna have a registration table outside and I wanna encourage you, if you're sitting here today and you feel burdened to reach the lost but you don't quite know how, you don't quite think you've got the tools, or you don't quite think it's structured or planned out in your head, but you want to see lost people know Jesus. This is not something that we wanna do for our church to grow. This is not something we want to do so we can post things on social media or our amazing YouTube channel. This is something we wanna do as a church because we are burdened for the lost people in Cape Town and South Africa. If you're saying, Phil, I too am burdened. I have a conviction. I want lost people to know God. I've got somebody on my brain right now. I don't quite know how to have the conversation. They're a tricky customer. They're the neighbor who doesn't bring their bin in. It can be whatever. 
It can look any which way for you, but you're saying, but I, I want to know more. I want to find out how this alpha thing works. I want to know how I can be a part of helping lost people find Jesus. I'm going to encourage you. Would you come to the back at the end of the service? We've got a table, a sign-up table. Just leave your name and your number there. We'll contact you. Over the, the rest of the year, we're going to have monthly meetings where we're going to be discussing and chatting about evangelism. We're going to be chatting about Alpha. We're going to be discussing how this could look for us in our context, how we can use the people that are interested and feel led to be a part of what God is doing in reaching people. We get to partner with God. And today I count that as the greatest privilege. Today I stand in front of you as someone who is pursuing ministry full time and I feel as cold and as uncalled as one can be in one moment. But I really feel obligated to be obedient to the call of God today to say, you know what, if I do anything in this life, I could get 99 things wrong, but if I can just help a few people find Jesus, I'm going to consider that a great win. It's not about people leaving their full-time jobs or it's about saying, hey, I'd love to just find out how I can be a part of that. Is there a way I can use what God has gifted me differently, uniquely, to be a part of lost people finding Jesus? I really believe there is. I'd love to show you guys a quick testimony on the screen of somebody who has gone through Alpha right here in South Africa, and I'll wrap up after that. When I was younger, I used to think God is not for me, it's for the other people. So I would look at people going to church and doing all these things, and I would be like, no, what did God made for me? And I would be looking and thinking maybe this is not my time. I grew up in a small township called Samora with a lot of young men. So we started forming a gang and then we smoke drugs and then drink alcohol. And then one day I ended up in prison by being in position of firearm. After nine months in prison, I started to know that there must be something that might be changed in my life. And I could feel like the life that I was living, I, must not, I could not live the life anymore. And I felt like God has got something that in, in store for me. And then I heard the gospel being preached in prison. It was totally different from the gospel I had before. I could feel the connection with God and I could see his love and I know that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Alpha helped me to, like, to, in, in, in the knowing of God and in, in the experience that I did had before, my life was being changed. So after prison, then I started working with an organization called the Message Trust, which I started a coffee shop. So I've trained as a barista. So I am working there, making coffees, but not only focusing on coffees, also like sharing our stories with people and listening to their stories as well and share the smile of in a cup of coffee with them. I started running Alpha in a church and also in the local areas and I could see people like experiencing the same love that I did before. And I could see their life being changed and being transformed. I think Alpha, it is a great way to connect with people and also to connect, to, to connect with the community as well. 
Most of people, they, they don't like people inviting them to church, but Alpha is different. It offers them like the kind of relaxed environment. People, they like the conversation as about to getting to know each other and also to, uh, to, to answer the questions which you have been asking yourselves. That does something inside of me. It, it inspires me and it, it really moves my heart to think how many millions more people like that man are just waiting. Their life is just really just waiting and is, and is ready to erupt with the goodness of God. In prison, lost, broken, life transformed and changed. It's so easy to look at a story like that and be like, you know, that's great for them. Man, I am burdened with the amount of people in our community that are just, just waiting for an opportunity to find Jesus because Jesus changes absolutely everything. Absolutely everything. I'm so excited about Alpha. I'm excited for normal people like, like me and like you, partnering with God. And the exciting thing about Alpha is that it doesn't really work on, hey, I'm gonna post something to my Instagram and a bunch of people are gonna come. Really, the best way to include people into Alpha and the proven, proven really record has been a personal invite. It's been speaking to people, inviting the people in your world who you know are lost and are distant from God. So you know what? I'm gonna invite you to something. It's, it's not a church service. <laughs> There's no worship or pastor making terrible jokes about football teams. This is a place where we're gonna share food. We're gonna enjoy each other's company. We're gonna build community and we're gonna have some questions answered. And I love Alpha. It's a place where no question is off the table. Doesn't that excite you? I once was chatting to my barber and he was telling me how he believes, firstly, his cow was abducted on his farm in the free state. Aliens fetched the cow. And if you know me and my personality, it's very tough for me in that moment to not snigger or to, yeah, you're pulling my leg, right? Dead serious. I love that conversation. I love having moments with people like that who have totally different views and thoughts built on experiences from life. And what Alpha does through the video content, it just begins to shape and show things in a way that's understandable and helpful. As a pastor, it's tough because it feels like most of the people I spend time with are already believers, which is very difficult for me personally because I find unbelievers a lot more fun. So I'm quite keen for Alpha from that point of view. It's a non-judgmental space. A space where anybody to come feel welcome. And we pray over those groups. Night and day, we pray over those groups so that people can find Jesus and find hope and find the cure to what this life has to throw at us. I'd love to close the service today, really, with just encouraging you if that conviction lies in your heart and, and you don't know what it looks like. You don't know how it could look for you. Maybe it could look many ways. But you want to be a part of helping lost people find Jesus. I, really, I want to encourage you. Step out in faith today and actually go to the back and sign your name up. Maybe right now you're feeling emotionally stirred but when the service finishes, you're like, ah, I don't know. You know what? I'm, I'm encouraging you to actually go and do it. This life is so short. Scripture describes this life as a mist. There's opportunities in life to make a difference. 
to make a significant impact to the kingdom of God, moments like these, I'd encourage you to take it. And I'd also love to take an opportunity just to pray for some people today. Maybe you're in the service and this whole message has been about evangelism and reaching the lost, but maybe you yourself feel quite lost today. You come to church, maybe somebody's invited you or you've found us on socials. You're sitting here and you actually feel a stirring to recommit your life to Jesus. I wanna tell you how excited that makes me. I wanna tell you how grateful I'm here today. Our church is for people like you. And I wanna pray with you today as you make a commitment back to Jesus. It says in scripture very clearly that there's no amount of sin, mistake that can separate you from the love of God. The love of God is there for you today and the good shepherd leaves the 99 to find you. So maybe right now in this moment with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you wouldn't mind. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here today. We thank you that you are softening hearts. And we thank you, Lord, that the seeds that have been sown today have landed in good soil, not rocky, not thorny soil, but soil that produces a great harvest. Lord, I wanna pray for the people that are sitting here right now, that by whatever reason they're in church today, it's not a coincidence, and they're feeling the urge right now to recommit their life to you, to hand it back over. Maybe they were feeling like I was feeling on Tuesday night, but they've been feeling like that for a long time. And where I had the privilege of turning to my Savior to give me hope and peace and joy, they haven't quite had that to turn to. If there's anybody here today that's saying, Phil, you know what, that's me. I really wanna recommit my life, I, I want hope. I want a hope that goes beyond what I can do. I want a joy and a peace that goes beyond what I can do. If that's you here today, on the count of three, would you mind just shooting your hand up? I'd love to just put something in your hand. I wanna pray with you today as you make the most important decision of your life. One, two, three. If that's you, just pop your hand up, wherever you are. We've got something that we wanna give you. There's a hand up. Amazing. Was anybody else? Let's pop your hand up. If this is your moment, I'm encouraging you to take it. Fantastic. So that's you here today. You're saying, Phil, I want to recommit my life to Jesus. I want to hand everything over to him. I want to give him control. If that's you, pop your hand up wherever you are. Amazing. There's a hand at the back, back right. We're not going to prolong this moment. If there's anybody else here, just pop your hand up wherever you are. If your pride is getting in the way, I'm gonna ask you to put it down. <laughs> That's you, wherever you're at. You say, Phil, I wanna make a decision right now in front of everybody. I choose Jesus. That's you, pop your hand up, wherever you are. Amazing. Just here in this moment, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're standing here today or you're sitting, and you want me to pray for boldness, you want me to pray for anointing, you want me to pray for you, to be an effective evangelist for the kingdom of God. Wherever it may be, in your family, in your workplace, in your school, in your varsity, you're saying, Phil, I want some prayer. I want to be able to be used by God. I wanna share the good news of Jesus. It's the most important news anybody can ever be told. You're saying, Phil, I just want some, I just want some boldness. I just want some prayer. If that's you, all heads bowed, eyes closed, just stand up for me, wherever you are. Just stand up, yep. If that's you, you're saying, Phil, I just want prayer. I want wisdom, I want to know the right moment, I want to be used. Fantastic.
Lord, we worship you. God, we thank you that no matter how long on the journey of faith we've been, us and ourselves, we never quite make the mark. But Lord, your grace and your mercy, it covers us. God, I pray for every single person that stood up today. God, I pray, would you give them the wisdom? Would you give them the boldness? Would you give them that anointing to share the gospel, to share Jesus, to share love with people? God, when the moment is right, when the person is the person that you just speak to, God, would you, in that moment, would you anoint them? Would they feel the obedience, God? Would they, would they find the availability to share the good news of Jesus? We thank you, Lord, this church is burdened for lost people. We are not satisfied. We are not satisfied with a church that looks the same every Sunday because people are lost, people are confused, people are broken, and they need Jesus. Would you give us that anointing and that boldness and that courage to share Jesus with a broken and lost world? Holy Spirit, would you fill us head to toe right now in this moment? In our own strength, we can accomplish little, but in your strength, Lord, we can accomplish much. Holy Spirit, every single person in this room standing up, would you fill us head to toe right now in this moment? God, we thank you that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We thank you, Lord, that from this moment on, we will reach many. We will share the news. The kingdom of heaven will expand and extend and the kingdom of darkness will be pillaged and broken in the name of Jesus. We give you all the glory and all of God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Hey, take a seat.